Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. today to put the her in i didn't i don't have one here here we're here barely here (laughs) kind of here a little bit here we've been here for a long time we have yes how many times can i say here the her in here i think i've done that before maybe if i have please call us and leave us a voicemail just scream yes and (laughs) hang up violently yes and that way the violent hang up is important it's key it's yeah. actually really key yeah to this whole process right so <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> um i just anyway i'm here with my beautiful co-host joy and joy i want you to know that um if we both quit our day jobs to spend our time full-time doing a storytelling podcast <laughs> Don't tempt me. I wouldn't even be mad about it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I Yay. actually really enjoy this. Neither would I. Good. Um, so you're right. <laughs> and you're right. Always. I'm Joy. Whoops. That just came out. <laughs> always. <laughs> I'm always right. <laughs> okay. Wrong. I mean, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. We okay. know we're not always right. No. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. <laughs> You're Joy. I, I am Joy. You are Joy. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. And I just want to say that I love that we are just the right amount the same and just the right amount different. Yeah. No, that's that's a, actually... Um, I think that's actually really true. Yeah. Like, that's just a, a reality, we is have, that we yeah. balance each other out. Right. <laughs> it's yes. really nice. But then we also have... Enough the same to just like kind of yeah come together. We're on the same and page. not like be on opposite sides of the planet or anything like right. that. Right, I hate when we're on opposite sides of the planet. It's weird. Speaking of planet, can I tell you just really quick? Just yes. Okay, this, always about planets. Okay, so for some reason, my husband and I were flying around on Google Earth the other night. Oh, I do that. We, I thought it was only me. No, it's not just you because okay. we did this for like forty-five minutes. First, we both tried to find our houses, like our parents' houses. Mm-hmm. Like, how far, how zoomed out do we have to be of a city to, like, point to their house? Ooh. Um, and so I did that for my parents' house. I found my old house in Georgia. We found our house. And then for some reason that I don't know why, we were like, Australia, let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. Well, um, did you know this is going to blow your mind? I screamed. I have a screenshot of this. You can go down on Google Earth below the water and look at the Great Barrier Reef. Really? Yes. That's amazing. I know. Now, um, if some of you try this, you're going to be a little disappointed because like at first in my head, I thought like I'm going to get to see the whole reef. I can like like swim around the whole ocean. (laughs) That was like my first thought. Right. Um, that's not true. 
it's probably 10 or 11 different pictures in different areas right. that are like panoramics like you turn around oh, that's but cool. i was screaming because sometimes you click what to an like amazing turn. little detail i know sometimes you click to like turn and it's just like turtle like in the camera lens you know <laughs> blue fish like dory right, in right. the camera lens right. just like really like and you're just clear, waiting beautiful. to see a shark I was hoping for a shark. It didn't happen. (laughs) But yeah, we were totally, you can just like zip around on Google Earth. And then for some reason, we ended up in New Zealand. You can look through Hobbiton. Yes, I did know that. Um, And who even needs travel anymore? I just Google Earth. You practically bend the Great Barrier Reef. Right. Um, (laughs) The houses in New Zealand were so cute. Do you you know about, you know, I have a thing about floor plans, right? Uh, Me too. (laughs) Like, I have to know your floor plan. Yes. Like, I have to know the layout of your house. Right. Yeah. So, like, when I'm driving... It's not hard in my house. No, I it's have not. A tiny but I apartment. needed to know. Like, I feel better now that I know. Um, and so, like, if your windows are open and I'm driving through the neighborhood, like, I'm looking inside. I don't care what you're doing. I just right. want to know the location of your kitchen right. in relation to your living it's room. It's important. It just... I need to know. I love floor plans. And I, it's, like, a thing too. I have. And so, I also thought it was like just you. Yeah. No, this is totes. This is all of us, right? It's everyone. It's all of us. Hopefully. Or maybe this is if, one of those things where we're just enough alike. If it's a thing for you, call the voicemail. <laughs> it's 470. Yes. And then hang up dramatically. 470-465-0475. Um, so then I just started kind of zipping around New Zealand. And the houses were the most adorable Super houses. Cute. So cute. And I just would, lo- I want to visit now because of how cute the right. houses were and because I need to know what the floor plans are like. Are you guys, Let's do it. are you guys open floor plans? Are you closed floor plans? What is it like? I need to know. <laughs> if they're open, just call us, <laughs> leave a voicemail and show um, If yes. you guys could just draw a floor plan of your home. Yeah. And then send it to us. Send it to it us. It would be so That'd great. That would be great. I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> well, so. look at them. Come on. <laughs> I will. <laughs> send me a picture of your house. Is that weird? This is weird. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. Hi. So last week. Yes. Summer told a story. Yes. She told a mystery, an unsolved mystery to you guys. Um, and this week I'm going to do the same thing. I love Unsolved Mysteries. I'm not talking about the TV show. I do love Unsolved Mysteries and Unsolved Mysteries. And the TV show? There's like a nostalgia to that show. Oh, I can see The that. one about spontaneous human combustion. Is that a thing? What? I haven't seen that. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh. Did everybody else know it was a thing? I hope most people knew that. Wait. You don't know what a spontaneous human combustion is? I mean, I thought it was a joke. No, it's real. Oh. It happens. I don't believe you. I mean, I don't... I'm sure there's an explanation for it, but it's it's an unsolved mystery. If any People of you don't know why it happened. spontaneously combusted, well, call us at 470. <laughs> yell yes and hang up dramatically. <laughs> I love this new joke. Okay. Anyway. Let's overuse it until yes, it's let's done. Let's just kill it. Okay. Great. I love it. <laughs> until nobody ever wants to hear it again. <laughs> Okay, so I'm telling my unsolved mystery. I'm really excited. I haven't heard it yet, so. This is another one that, like, this is somewhat recent and got a lot of news coverage. So it's possible that some of you guys know what I'm talking about. 
on August 31st, 2004, a man in his mid-50s was found naked and unconscious near a dumpster behind an Atlanta Burger King by an employee who was taking out the trash. Uh-oh. Early in the morning. That sounds unsafe. She walks out to take the trash out, finds a man unconscious, Uh-oh. naked. So she calls the proper authorities. Correct. Good idea. Um, he was taken to the hospital and he was admitted as Burger King Doe. What? Yep. Why did they call him that? I mean, just, I guess John Doe gets boring. Oh, I was thinking D-O-U-G-H. No, and I was no. like, this is so mean. Yeah, no. Okay. Um. So he tested negative for drugs or alcohol. Okay. And he was actually in, like, really good health. Oh. Um. Like, his, the doctor said that his tests came back, like, surprisingly good. Okay. For someone who, because he, so the thing is, he definitely appeared as though. For someone he was, who sleeps behind who dumpsters. Was, who was homeless. Okay. In the official report, the police said, like, he was a vagrant sleeping behind a dumpster. But he except was very for he was, Except for, he was also naked. Oh. So, like. Why was he unconscious? Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so um, he was obviously unkempt as though he had been living like, on the streets. Living on the streets. Okay. Um, he, and he had like a few old scars. He had some, he had no new injuries though. Okay. Um, that's, this is where some, like his Wikipedia page says that he was injured, but he wasn't. That's okay. an important part of this. Like, there's no... No injuries. Yeah. Okay. So, he had no injuries. He was just unconscious and someone had taken his clothes or he had taken his clothes off. Okay. But he didn't have any drugs or alcohol in his system. Um, and the only thing that was really wrong with him was that he had severe cataracts in his eyes. Okay. Um, that basically left him, like, nearly blind. A lot of us do. Um, have really bad eyes. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, so... Uh, despite the fact that he was fairly healthy, um, he was refusing to eat and he would react violently to physical touch. Mm. He would call. How old was he? So mid fifties. This is the best they could ascertain because he was sort of in a weird semi-conscious state for about two weeks. Oh, Um, so he spoke very little, but when he did, he appeared very confused and definitely suffering from mental illness. Like, the doctors and nurses would touch him and he would call them demons and like flail his arms and stuff like that. Oh no. Um, and then he told one nurse that he had been living in the forest for 17 years. Hmm. Um, but like this was in the period of time where he was still not really like up and with it. Okay. So, um, just over a week after he'd been admitted, he was diagnosed with catatonic schizophrenia and was sent to a psychological ward. Okay. However, it became quickly apparent that he was not suffering from schizophrenia. Okay. He was incredibly lucid, helpful, remembered recent world events. Okay. He knew who the president was. He knew what the president had just been doing. He knew like about George Bush and sending troops. Okay. So like he was aware of world events, but he had little to no memories of his own life. What? Okay. 
What was his name? Did they know yet? So he thought he was from Indianapolis, had three brothers, and he thought that his name was Benjamin with two A's. Like he just felt like that was right. Okay. Um, but the one well, detail. Well, you can be anyone these days. Right. Well, so like, yeah. So he, but the one detail that he was absolutely certain of was that he was born exactly one decade before Michael Jackson, August 29th, 1980, 1948. How could you forget that? <laughs> yeah. So that was like, he basically came to, and when he was in a fully conscious state, they were like, there's nothing mentally wrong with this guy, except for the fact that he has amnesia. <laughs> Like he remembered stuff he had, he could keep track of stuff that would happen to him. He would remember stuff that happened the day before, but he did not know who he was. Mm. Um, so four months after he was found, um, he was transferred to a shelter where he officially took the name Benjamin with two A's, Kyle. Can you spell that? What do you mean two A's? B-E-N-J-A-M-A-N. So instead of M. I N oh, it's M A N got it. Okay. And he was like, it's this, he is was like, name. I, this has got to be it because it's so weird to have that uncommon spelling. Right. So I've got to be remembering that correctly. Right. And then he took the last name Kyle, which I think is kind of funny because up until he chose a name for himself, they called him BK for Burger King dough. Oh, <laughs> and then he picked a name that was BK. BK. Oh, so, um, he was really, di- so, all the shelter staff, hospital staff, anywhere he stayed, they were, they were basically the staff would say like, he doesn't belong here. He's not your current, he's not like your, your, your regular resident. Um, he was an avid reader and he was eager to help with odd jobs around the shelter, despite still being mostly blind. Like he could see a few feet in front of him can't someone get him some glasses or something well so at one point a charity raised money so like nine months after he was found a charity raised money to fix his cataracts and he said when he looked in the mirror he was surprised by how old he looked he had expected to see a man in his 30s oh that's breaking my heart i know (laughs) right okay so he still doesn't he's he doesn't know he doesn't know who he is yeah um over the next two years, he became an essential part of the shelter staff. Oh, like staff? Yeah. So he like he just took on odd jobs there yeah. until basically like they gave him keys, they gave wow. him all this stuff, um, and he would just like he just worked there, and that was basically in exchange for him to be able to stay there because he really didn't didn't belong there. He didn't belong there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. At this point, he spent over two years in a shelter and um, a new nurse starts working overnights there. Her name's Catherine Slater. And she's very sympathetic with this sort of quiet, methodical and like a little socially awkward man. Um, And they become fast friends. She gets to know him well. And she's just confused because he seems like he's the type of man that someone would miss. Yeah. Um, and she just went like, how could no one be looking for him? Right. Because he's not. Right. He's he's very normal. Like he's he has his weird something years old. He's had relationships. Right. He's yeah. had family at some point. Right. He's had friendships like. And he's like, he's a nice, he's a little socially awkward, but he's nice. Yeah. Like there's no way that he doesn't have someone. Yeah. Looking for him. And then the big thing 
for Benjamin was that he had, no, and this is why he was still working in the shelter. He had no identity yeah. with which, so he couldn't apply for a job. Right. Um, he couldn't get any sort of government assistance. Right. Um, and the social security office was unwilling to assign him a new number since it was clear that he already had one. <sighs> yeah. So he had no way of like, he had no way legitimizing his identity and gainful employment. And all yeah. That. He had no way of making any money. Wow. He was just like, it was kind of, he just woke up and didn't know who he was. And it's been two years and he still doesn't know who he was. And he can't, he can't go anywhere and get any closer to who he used to be because right. he has no money. He has no, right. like, it's just kind of a nightmare. But so Catherine, she sort of, she became obsessed with this idea um sort of similar last week to your school teacher that Gilbert. was just like yeah what Wanting the heck to figure yeah, out what we happened. need to figure this out yeah. so Catherine started searching it's always missing the women you know right nurse and a teacher caregivers yep there you go right um so she started searching missing persons websites and she posted his picture in forums with no results um, and she reached out to the police department that had responded the day that he had been found. And she was really disappointed to find out that there was no criminal investigation done because there was no evidence of a crime. Right. Um, he just appeared he, to... He just was asleep behind a dumpster. Right. What yeah. are they going to do? Right. Other than the fact that he was naked, I really think. But they thought he was a vagrant at the time. This is sort of another instance right. of like profiling. Right. Um, so the FBI was equally disinterested in any sort of investigation. But um, there was one agent that was like willing to do some poking around things. Okay. Um, so special agent Kirk Connell was oh, Kirk. ran fingerprints through the FBI database. So now the thing is, is he can only search for this guy. He can only search for Benjamin. He can't do that's a, totally illegal. You can't search for relatives. Really? Yeah. There um, has to be, like, you can't just put DNA into the FBI database and see what pops out. You cannot do that. Are you serious? No. I you did cannot not know do that. that. Okay. Um, if you have, there's like a warrant procedure. Oh, that, like you okay. Can't just, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So since there was no crime. No, that makes she, sense. He could search the database for him, for sure. Benjamin Kyle. But like nobody but else. That's not his name. Maybe. Well, yeah. But he could for him. He could search for his DNA, but not for any relatives Got or it. anything like that. Okay. Um. So um, he also sent Benjamin's fingerprints to Interpol and Canadian authorities. Okay. He that nothing was found. He inquired as to whether or not Benjamin was being protected by the U.S. Marshal Service, which Ooh. he had to do very discreetly, Obviously. but nothing came up. Okay. Um, and he posted Benjamin's picture on the FBI's missing persons page, making him the only person on record to ever be considered missing when his location was known. That is so sad. Yeah. So nothing and nothing came of it. If I Google his name, do I get to see his picture? Yeah. So in 2007, so we're talking three years later at this point, Catherine Slater, uh, she took to the media and basically just thought like if enough people see his face across the country, 
someone someone's going to recognize him, someone. him from somewhere. Yes. Um, and so uh, the story picked up and uh, not too much later, he was known as the living John Doe and his mm-hmm. face was all over the place. He gave interviews with CNN, BBC, ABC, NPR, CBS, Fox News, The Guardian, and one on Dr. Phil as well. Wow. Um, everyone was asking him for interviews and tip after tip after tip was coming in. But they led nowhere. No, that can't be. I people can't, I people can't. said he was their dad. People said he was their crazy schizophrenic ex-husband what someone said he was his army buddy people said he was the guy who worked at the waffle house that i go to um so the good thing about all this press was that it did garner the the attention of colleen fitzpatrick who would call herself a genealogical detective okay um who by the way i just thought this was really interesting she helped identify someone from remains found on the Titanic. What? Yeah. You mean the Olympic? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Um, the side note. So um, in the meantime, Benjamin had, he had gotten a few more glimpses. He wasn't really having like full intact memories. He would just get like a glimpse of a movie theater or a glimpse of a restaurant. Um, and essentially he, so he remembered enough to remember that he had lived in Boulder, Colorado for a period of time. And based off of what he did remember, it was enough to place him in Boulder during the mid seventies to the mid eighties. And correct me. He was found in Atlanta. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he was found in Atlanta. He feels like he lived, he grew up and was born in Indianapolis and he remembers living for a period of time in Colorado. Colorado. Okay. Um, so in 2009, Fitzpatrick began looking into DMV and birth records in Georgia, Indiana, and Colorado. She interviewed people in Boulder and handed out flyers to no avail. She investigated the scars on his body and found surgical screws in his arms, but they were too common to be traced. What? And finally, she convinced Benjamin to submit his DNA to a private database. So like ancestry.com, anywhere that asks you to make... Like all those places, it's yeah. big right now. Yeah, it is. Where you, so all of those are legitimate DNA databases, but they're private. So you can, you don't have to have a warrant to see who comes back. Like people willingly give their DNA right. to these databases so that you can find relatives. Right. Um, and she just, so she discovered by doing that, that he shared a striking amount of DNA with a family by the name of Powell. And the closest genetic matches were found in parts of the Carolinas. So she went to these tiny little counties in in the Carolinas. Dedication. And she, um, she collected DNA from other Powells. And she ran ads in tiny, like tiny rural newspapers with his picture. And just, at, just to see if anyone knew him. Um, so she had become just full-blown obsessed. Yeah. And it was around that time that Benjamin Kyle. No, no, don't say it. Stopped talking to her. What? Oh, I got goosebumps. What? Yeah. Yep. 
What? Her investigation halted because he just stopped talking to her. What do you mean he stopped talking to her? What, did he disappear? Was he still in Atlanta? No, he was still around. He just wouldn't take her calls anymore. <gasps> because she was getting close to figuring it out? Well, so this is where a lot of speculation comes in. So there's some drama regarding Fitzpatrick and another person later on. So he claimed that she wouldn't show him the evidence that she was... Like, she wouldn't show him all the genetic mapping and stuff. Um, and she denied that that was the case. So, so he's he, saying she's doing this stuff, but she won't show me what she's finding right, out. So yeah. I don't want to talk to her anymore. And he's, so she she's thought, saying that's not true. Right. That's not true. She believes that he is hesitant to find out who he really is. I mean, there's a whole, there's a, if you think about it, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. First of all, what if you find out you are horrible and right. you don't feel like that person anymore? What do right. you do? Right. Um, what if he's faking it? Right. And doesn't want to be found. And out. he doesn't want to be found. Yeah. Um, what if he well, just. Well, you would think if he didn't want to be found, he wouldn't be going on TV. Right. So I think it's fairly, it's, I think given everything that I read, it's pretty, he's a weird guy. He's weird, okay. um, but I don't think he remembers who he is. Okay. I don't think. Um, but so she she also suggested that finding the solution would take away a lot of attention from him. Like he may have grown to sort of like this new identity right. as the missing man right. who's been found, but is still missing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. At this time, he was living with Catherine Slater. They were never romantic. Okay. They were just friends. And he, she just had Took like the in. deepest sympathy for him yeah. and wanted to help him figure out who he was. So around this same time, the sort of around the same time, within a year of the time he stopped talking to Colleen Fitzpatrick, um, things were becoming really tense at the house where he and Catherine Slater were living. Mm. Um, he was a hoarder. Oh no. He would go to the dump and he would just oh, bring back the trash? most random stuff. Oh. Um he would tear up things around her house so that he could fix them. Oh. Um and he he would re like refuse donations <laughs> that she had she like put up a donation page and he would just refuse donations to help him. Mm. Um and it seemed like he was just uninterested right. in finding out who he was. Right. Um, it was like he was afraid to get close to any right. anyone other than Benjamin Kyle. At this point, he had been Benjamin Kyle for a little over half a decade. Right. I mean, that's... So, yeah. You know, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. Okay. So, in 2011, Catherine found a shelter where Benjamin could live. So she arranged a place for him to go. She offered to give him a ride, but she said, you need to move out. Like this is getting, it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm helping you and I'm helping you and I'm helping you, but you don't seem like you really want to find out who you are. Um, which is totally a pattern for him. And I think he's just weird. Like, I think he's a little socially off. So, right. um, I don't mean weird in a bad way by any means. Yeah. I don't. He's just, but, a, um, he's just a character, man. Yeah. So um, he refused the shelter, refused the ride, um, but he did leave and he started walking to Florida. 
did you say walking? Yes, he walked. walking to Florida. So some police officers recognized him and actually drove him to the border and like let him out and he walked to Jacksonville. Why did police drive him to the... Because they recognized him. Oh. And they were just like, do you need help? <laughs> we know who you are. <laughs> or do we? Right. So um, he went to Jacksonville, but he became homeless because he didn't have any form of identification. Um, the thing about this shelter that Catherine had set up for him was that they were aware of his situation, whereas right. your random homeless shelter is going to require some sort of identification right. for you to be able to get in. Right. Um, so he reached out to this guy who had wanted to make a documentary about him at one point. This guy's name is John Wickstrom. He's a student and he, uh, he's a film student and he called in a favor with the local TV station and they ran a piece on Benjamin, which elicited um, sympathy from a restaurant owner who gave him a job. Okay. So he basically just like restarted his life in Jacksonville. Right. All his old friends. He doesn't talk to anymore. The people that were helping him. He's Done. not talking to them. He's in a different right. state. Um, so he worked at the restaurant for years um, and continued. And basically he had a new resource to help him find out who he was, which was John Wickstrom the kid who wanted to make the documentary who right. he called when he was desperate. Um, so uh, he, it see what's weird to me is this pattern of like him just leaving places and just leaving everyone behind and then like latching on to people. To a new place. Yeah. Right. He like latches onto a person yeah. Who does a lot of the work for him. Right. And so I don't know really what that's about, but it's a definite pattern in his life. Um, so the thing is, though, is that he it's really interesting. He's a really interesting guy. Um, he said things like, I mostly avoid thinking about it. It doesn't really do very good to keep thinking about a problem you can't solve. He was very monotone and methodical so he claimed to have he claimed to have a sense of who he was as a person. Like I said, like he's he spent a lot of time in interviews explaining that he just felt like this is what that sounds right. You know, like if we all lost if we all got amnesia, we would probably think like, wait a minute, no, that I do feel like that's who I was. Right. You know? Right. So he he was, he knew he was liberal, Catholic. Okay. He knew he wore a mustache for a long time, like okay. most of his life. He knew he was a smoker for most of his life. Um, he knew he loved movie theaters. Okay. And he loved science fiction and hated physical contact. Okay. And so for Don't him, so for him, and this can kind of explain his attitude. Like for him, he's spent years searching for who he is. Yeah. But he basically was like, I know enough about myself that I just kind of do know who I am. Right. Like whatever stuck with me yep. was the stuff that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And so I have to use that to be the person that I am, basically. Yep. Like I don't have any other choice at this point. Right. Um, 
But he did also say, I don't think they're going to find out I'm an axe murderer. <laughs> okay, thanks for that qualification. <laughs> so the, all these things that he just kind of knew about himself. Right. He, I think a part of him just felt like that was enough. You yeah. know, like he still wanted to find out who he was. He was still eliciting help from other people. But he wasn't, this was just his way. Yeah. Like this is the type of person he was. Yeah. When you read more of his interviews and stuff like that, like this really is, he never tried to convince anyone that he wasn't faking it. It just was what it was. Yeah. I mean, it's a situation he couldn't change and he didn't know how to change. So it's like he can't spend his entire life at that point. You kind of do have to start over. Well, and he was already very like, everyone described him as kind of like monotone. Okay. Like, so this was just... Not the, a super passionate person. No, this was just the kind of person right. that he was. Right. Um, and so it looked weird to some people, but... Right. Most people just accepted that, like, this was his way. Right. Like, he knew a weird... He knew a weird amount of, um, like, food industry lingo. Okay. And he knew all about, like, stoves, industrial stoves and ovens and things. Like, he could... They'd, he'd be sitting doing interviews with journalists and he would, they'd be in like a diner and he would know what kind of like stovetop they were cooking on. Right. So we had like weird little pockets of knowledge. He was the manager of the Burger King. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Okay. So Wickstrom is young, young guy, film student. Um, And he helped him a lot. And now we're looking, it's more, it's probably what, like 2013, 14 at this point. I can't say that for sure, but just to give you guys like, mm-hmm. it's probably been about 10 years since he was found. Um, so Wickstrom helps him set up a website, a Facebook. And this is such an interesting part of the story. He facilitated a Reddit, ask me anything that got so many upvotes, it ended up on the front page. Mm. So you can actually go right now and go read his AMA. Wow. On Reddit. Wow. Yeah. So, and people asked him all kinds of things. Like, do you want to know who you are? Like, what if you found out you did something horrible? Right. And he's just very like monotone. Like, well, I guess that's what I'll find out then. Like, that's just his way. It's so, he's kind of a weirdo, but it's fine. It's just who he is. It's fine. Um, so he produced, um, Wickstrom produced a short film about Benjamin that played at Tribeca and almost the cans, can, can, cons. Um, it's the canis. <laughs> cans. Cans. Can. I think it's cans. Yeah. No one actually know. knows. The French do, but I don't, Shh. I don't have their phone number. Um, <laughs> if you know how it's, it's pronounced you can call 470-465 and yell we (laughs) just yell we and then hang up very french like the end put your bray on and hang up the phone um (laughs) sorry okay so the most important thing the thing that got benjamin really excited was that wickstrom helped him start an online petition to get him a new social security number (gasps) please tell me it worked they needed twenty five thousand signatures they got and they got half of Um, that 
what what they needed twenty five thousand and they only got half of it. I'll go sign it right now. I know. Well, okay. Don't. Okay. She's she put her. So hand he up. wasn't able. So like, it just seems like thing after thing after thing is not working. Nothing's working. I mean, right? Nothing is. Working. He's not in the. We're, we've tapped into Interpol, the FBI fingerprint <laughs> right. database, like. <laughs> What we're talking happened? about DNA. We're talking about all this stuff. Well, so here's the thing. He made a huge mistake when he stopped talking to uh, Kirkpatrick. Why? He made a huge mistake because everything that she was doing was what eventually led to them finding his <gasps> identity. So there was a bunch of basically during an interview that he had done. My mouth just got dry. I need <laughs> during, to know. During an interview that he had done, he divulged the information about Kirkpatrick saying that she wouldn't give me, she wouldn't let me look at the stuff that she was. So we just parted ways. Yeah. So the thing is, is that he would tell lies. Like when he moved from living with Catherine to Walking and walked to, to, to Jacksonville, he told, he told John Wickstrom that um Catherine had to take care of her sick parents mm. so he moved out mm. so he would not always be totally honest about why he would leave a place and go right. to a new place so i kind of am inclined to not believe his story about fitz uh, kirkpatrick because she denied it right she denied it and um at this point because of like the facebook drama this was happening on his facebook so what there was, was a lot like this conversation where he she he said in an interview he said that she wouldn't show me anything that she was working on. She came back to his Facebook and she said that's not true. You know that's not true and she defended herself. So then he went there was like a little bit of back and forth. This got the attention of another genealogist named CC Moore who was like a swimsuit model and I don't know. And she just like, this was they like her go, hobby. They always go together. Right. This was her hobby. Um, so uh, this new CC Moore picks up the case and luckily, and, and so Moore and Kirkpatrick had a bit of a feud because they had been friends early on in their because careers. All of the genealogists know each other. I would assume, I don't know. Isn't that kind of like the point? Like they all know. <laughs> Whoever was related to and whoever it is, I don't know. And they're also in same models, <laughs> right? You learned it here. <laughs> okay, so there was some like, like Kirkpatrick accused more of just picking up where she left off, and like, oh yeah, the reason why, like, you can't come up with your own stuff, so you'll take mine. They had this fe- weird Ooh, feud. Sassy. So her defending herself led to this weird feud between the uh, two of them. The two of them. Okay. So that feud between the two genealogists caught the attention of another of genealogist. another genealogist with the last name Powell Powell yes who lived in South Carolina stop so um one day in 2016 Benjamin Kyle gets a phone call <gasps> that says uh, we know who you are <gasps> I have your swoops <laughs> okay Keep going. Okay, so Powell, this genealogist, saw the drama on Facebook, and she reached out to Moore. When she reached out to her, she said, I just happened to be on the way to a family reunion. So at Moore's request, 
she got DNA samples from distant cousins while she was at the family reunion. And she sent them to Moore. So as they were logging in all of this information, a member of Moore's team realized that one of the great grandsons in this massive family tree that they had been mapping was uh, misidentified. Um, So they like searched for the correct relative. They found the correct relative. Um, Most of the Powells are Protestant, but this family of Powells was Catholic. Catholic. Yep. Which is one of the things he remembered about himself. Um, So that, that was it. That was all it was. That's all it took to crack the case was that someone had been misidentified on the family tree. What does that mean? I don't, what does that mean? She, they basically, they had, it means they thought they had tracked down a Powell that was like in that same line. But what they discovered about that guy was that he had died early on, like before having children or like the right, like he didn't fit. He had the last name Powell, but he didn't fit the type of person that would like contribute to this family tree. He didn't have, they didn't specify, but he either didn't have kids or he only had daughters or something like that. Right. Um, so, and he had died early on. Okay. Um, so they got him in connection, uh, with his actual family. So they connected him to this right Powell family. Um, so, I know this is supposed to be unsolved mysteries. So before you think, please tell me it's not unsolved. I'm, I can't. So it's solved, but there is another mystery. Okay. So here's what they found out. He was born an hour north of Indianapolis in Lafayette. He had three brothers, <sighs> and you better believe he was born one decade before Michael Jackson Stop on August it. 29th, 1948. Stop it. But his name was William Burgess Powell. William Burgess. Mm-hmm. Okay. His father was a veteran. Okay. Who they interviewed. So the interview that I was looking at to get like the family information was done with William's brother, William slash Benjamin's brother. Okay. Um, so the brother said that his father was a veteran who like by today's standards would definitely be diagnosed with PTSD. Okay. Who drank heavily yeah. and beat William mm. regularly. He didn't beat any of the other kids, just William. Mm. Um, and his mother was a hoarder. Mm. Just like him. Mm. So when William was 16, he left home and he lived with another family and had dinner with them every night, but was like a loner. He was really just an isolated person. Yeah. Um, he lived around Lafayette and he worked a lot of odd jobs, lived in a few different places, worked in food service Mm. and at a movie theater, Mm. um, until he was 26 years old in 1976. He disappeared. He disappeared in 1976. William's brother filed a missing persons report (gasps) after the family that he used to eat dinner with every night said like he didn't come for dinner. So he couldn't get a hold of him, filed a missing persons report and the police found Benjamin slash William in Boulder, Colorado, working as a cook at a restaurant that he had remembered (laughs) 
for having really bad foods, food and service. Oh. So unfortunately, he had this like little flash of this diner that had horrible food and service, but he was the cook. Oh. So, so um, he was an adult, though. So like, it's not like the police can make him right. go back home or anything like right. that. So his brother sent him letters, but William never responded. Um, and he also had, uh, the brother had an army intelligence buddy of his run a background check on his brother and like nothing came up, no addresses, phone numbers, mortgages, no nothing. So there was, there was like, there's no record of him. Wow. So, um, this journalist in this one article that I read, uh, tracked down the guy that he ran away to Boulder with. So it was his friend at the time. They were just tired of being in this little town and they wanted to get away and like have better things in their life. So, um, why would you go to Boulder for that? uh, They said there's that exact question. in one of the interviews that said, why did you go to Boulder? And the response was, it's not Indiana. Well, I, (laughs) So, okay, Indiana. Yeah. So they Sorry. really, they really were just two young kids that, yeah. I mean, they were in their twenties, but yeah. like they, I think they just had enough of living the same life that they always had. Um, so the the guy that he went to Boulder with, he left Boulder like a year after they went. Um, so the last time he had seen William was in 1977. Wow. And then, according to the Social Security Administration, there are employment records of him until 1983. There is no record of William Burgess Powell or Benjamin Kyle for 21 years. And he still has no... Before he woke up in 2004 and didn't know who he was... We have nothing. We don't know where he was the 21 years previous to that either. And no one's come forward. And I think he has just always been this guy that just picks up. He like keeps his distance between people because of the horrible trauma that he experienced as a kid. Right. And which totally makes you a candidate for amnesia too. Just saying. Right. Um, He, uh, he would just keep his distance. He would keep himself isolated so that he couldn't get hurt by people. And then he would just move away one day. And he's just been doing that his whole life. The thing is, is that we don't know where he's been and he doesn't remember it. And it still doesn't answer why he woke up naked behind a dumpster. Right. Was he attacked? Was he, is he faking was, it? Was he a vagrant before then? Right. Was he, was he living it? in the woods for 17 years? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for most people is, is he really... Is this real or is it fake? Yeah. Does he, is he feigning amnesia? Right. But... He doesn't seem like the kind of person to me who's, who is looking for media attention. He's really not. It doesn't mean anything. No. But, like, it just seems odd, like, that if he's faking it, that he would let it get to the point where major news outlets are he wouldn't want any attention he would just disappear again right he he stuck around in the same places if your whole pattern is to pick up and disappear and stay anonymous right. why would you suddenly break it in right. your, the middle of your 50s 
and then when he turned down and then leave it right and he would turn down donations he wasn't like he wasn't making a lot of money he was still working random odd jobs and you know there really wasn't any motivation in it for him to fake it and so despite he would sort of like he would have these really he would make friends with people and then they would have sympathy for him and they would try and help him and then all his little eccentricities would sour their relationship and right. he would just take off. Um, but so everyone, so people in, in the interviews I read, it was very, very common for someone initially to have a great statement about him and then towards the end change, change it. Yeah. Um, but n- at no time, if someone believed him, did they say, I think he's faking it. Right. Like the people that were closest to him were not, they weren't, and these are people he lived with and spent years with at a time. Right. But yeah, they, but it is pretty crazy that that's his pattern of all the people to get amnesia. It's a person that basically has had no, no grounding. Right. Ever. Right. That's great. It's I wonder why was his brother still alive when he was on TV? How did they miss it? So they, so the big thing is, is that, so when he, when the brother had, um, the background check done on him and there was nothing, they thought he was dead. He thought he was dead. He had always, he had been like a heavy drinker and a heavy smoker and he wouldn't respond to his letters. So he was just, and there's nothing in his name. So he just assumed he was dead. He was dead. The brother, one of the other brothers died young. The father died he, I mean, he was probably in his late twenties when his father died. Yeah. And then his mom died in the mid nineties. So I just think everyone just kind of brother. Yeah. There was another brother, but they didn't really yeah. the interviews. Didn't I'm assuming he didn't really want to be involved because he wasn't interviewed. Right. Anywhere that I saw. Right. But wow. That is so crazy. Right. It just makes you wonder like, what was this guy up to? Right. Well, not, it's so, you think that you've found, like, your identity, and then you but find out that you've been so mm-hmm. aloof mm-hmm. your whole life that right. you still don't know what you've been doing for the last 21 years. And even, like, even that, the most you know about your, that later work employment, like, from 77 to 83, like, you know you worked at a place. Right. But other what than that, you like, know? you don't really... Yeah. That is so... Cr- I want to know what he was up to so badly. I know. And maybe he knows. Maybe he does. I don't maybe know. He doesn't. I'm, in, I'm inclined to... Do you believe him? What do you think? Um, I think that... I do believe that he has amnesia. Though I am a little skeptical, but... But you're just a skeptical person. Yes, I am. I'm not willing to be totally taken in, but when you read or watch interviews with him. Yeah. You, it makes way more sense why it's taken so long and why he would be like, he totally is the type of person that would forget who he was. And then when they finally found out who he was, he would find out that nobody knew who he was. Right. He's totally that it totally fits. Yeah. I'm inclined to believe that he has amnesia but also I think he probably knows more than he's letting on. Right. It's possible. That's pretty, I mean, it's, it's, 
that's the thing is there's cases of amnesia where people slowly regain memories. Right. But a lot of times they do stay lost. Yeah. It's like some memento stuff up in here. Right. That's so crazy. It's really weird, right? Yeah. I was so amazed. I had never heard of that. Benjamin Kyle. Never heard the story either. And he's been like all over the place. All over the news. Well, and the thing, so you have to consider too, like they gave an example with the Dr. Phil show like apparently Dr. Phil, one of the guys that does his screenings or at least at the time was like ex FBI and basically like learned everything about this guy, right. interviewed all these people right. because they, he's, it's his job to find out if he's lying or right. what. And then right. he feeds information to Dr. Phil and right. Dr. Phil knows like what questions he can ask that. Right. So this guy was like, I'm going to, I'm going to YouTube this episode yeah. of Dr. Phil. Yeah. Like, no doubt. You'll totally, once you watch him on camera, it'll make a lot more sense. Wow. He's just very, like, monotone really is the best. Word to describe. It's like his blood pressure doesn't go past a certain point. (laughs) Right. He just kind of, like. Which reminds you of, I mean, you know, people who are sociopaths. Right. Are very calm in situations where they're lying or what the rest of us would ordinarily be under stress. Right. Not, I'm not saying he is. Right. But that's just something to consider. But it would, and it would be like, consider, I don't think any of us can even conceive of what it would be like Mm-mm. to not be able to remember Mm-mm. anything or to be able to like, be like, I think I have three brothers, but I don't know their names or what they look like. Right. Can you imagine existing in a world where you don't, know anything except for like waking up tomorrow and you don't know anything except for what happens from this point on i mean that's that's kind of how it feels when you have a newborn <laughs> like and you haven't slept in three months right you have like a moment that makes sense in, because you go into like a fugue state right and you're like i don't know what's my name right. what month is it who knows yeah but that's the closest i've ever come right but if you think about it someone's life is starting someone knows is like someone starting their life at that moment so there must be like a right yes radiating effect it it like affects the people (laughs) around you that's what's happening but yeah that's amazing but yeah so i would assume he has a social security number now and has a job maybe yeah i just think that he like i'm sure he is kind of trying to fade into anonymity i would yeah i would hope so yeah i don't you get the impression when you watch interviews that he or like when you read his ama yeah. Like you d- you don't get the impression that he is a man of many words. He's the kind of person who does a thumbs up. Yeah. The passive aggressive thumbs up. Yes. Don't send me a thumbs up. So rude. <laughs> thumbs up is the most passive aggressive. But yeah, it's just movie. it is really super interesting because he did a lot of interaction. Like right. the ask me anything's really cool. Right. The Dr. Phil episode's really really interesting. I got to watch it. Um Cool. Yeah. So back to something like you know the normal hard-hitting theology next week right this was fun though that sounds good i really like that story yeah and i'm gonna like totally follow up on it that's so weird yeah yeah he didn't find out who he was until 2016 wow he woke up in a hospital in 2004 and didn't know who he was until 2016 and then he still didn't know who he had been for the last 21 years memento Anyway. All right. Well, if you have forgotten who you are, uh, pick up the phone. Call 470-465-0475. Yell 
what (laughs) and hang up the phone violently all right guys that's all we have for this week yes and we will see you next week